This is lead minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, hey, I'm glad you guys are excited to be here. Hey, didn't the worship team do awesome? We get a little round of applause. That song was awesome. Today, we are in this series that we're calling Tell a Good Story. Now, I want to be honest at the very, very beginning. Today is going to be one of the most practical sermons, I mean, applicable, that we can have in our lives. But here's going to be the temptation as we're talking about this. Some of us are going to have the temptation to say, well, I I don't really need to hear this. So what I want you to do is look at the person next to you and say, hey, you're going to need this. You don't want everybody to pay attention, right? Yeah, so... So here, this is one of those topics that God's placed on my heart where I felt like, hey, we're talking about stories, and and it just goes perfectly with it. So I'm excited about it. Next week, a reminder is one of our missionaries is going to be here, and he's going to tell you a a good story about his life and how God is using him and how God has used their ministry. So I encourage you to come back with that. And then week four, in the final week, we're going to hit a home run. We're going to talk about transformation, sanctification, all that fun stuff. So it's going to be awesome. But next week, come here and, and hear an awesome story about how God God is working across the world. But today, I just want to give you a recap. If you missed it, we're on this series called The Tell a Good Story. And, and, and we want to tell a good story. And we, we said this idea that all of our lives are telling some type of story. And whether you follow Jesus or, or whether you're you know, new to church or not, you want your life to tell a good story. And we said at the, right at the beginning, so no one misses, that without Jesus, it's impossible to tell a good story. A story that matters. And a good story isn't just that you're a good person and do good things. A good story is a story that has an eternal impact. A story that, that is in advancing the kingdom of God. A story that is le- le- Jesus is leading you. The Holy Spirit is leading you and shaping you and molding you into what he wants you to become. And, and you're forgiving and you're loving. That's telling a good story. And the reason we, we're doing this series is because... Well, we just celebrated Easter, but we also want people to understand that we want to have a real, authentic faith. A faith that's not generic. A faith that that guides us. A faith that shapes us. A faith that is the foundation of our lives. So that's kind of what we mean by telling a good story. But here's what I think happens, is we sometimes settle for a generic faith. And everybody knows this, whether you, you, you try to deny it or not, generic and name brand are not the same, right? You know, everybody wears Nike or Adidas or Under Armour for basketball for a reason. They don't wear other shoes, right? There's a reason. There, there's a difference between generic and name brand. And you know this, there's like shampoos and there's like food. But you know this specifically in one aisle at the store, at Kroger or Walmart, the cereal aisle. Come on now, anybody, cereal eaters up in here? Any, just love cereal? Now, I loved cereal back in the day, I'm not gonna lie. When I was growing up, I really liked it, and we were poor, so we got generic all the time, so I'm like an expert on generic cereal, so stick with me here, right? So you know, you, you walk down the cereal aisle, and, and you see all the cereal, and you got the name brands, like my life, we just went right past those, but you got like, you know, the Fruit Loops, and then, then, then you got like uh, Fruit Circles, right? Generic brand, or Rice Krispies, or Crispy Rice, or Corn Pop, or, or golden pops of corn, right? Like you got the generic version. But the generic version tells you what? There's a promise. The generic pr- version promises it's just as good as the name brand. And, and if, you, if you believe that, you're lying. We don't lie in shirts, right? So it's not as good. But it's, it promises to look the same, taste the same. And on the surface, it does. 
So the cereal eaters know what I'm talking about here. But there's one difference, and I'm an aftertaste guy. I judge food by the aftertaste. The generic cereal looks the same, kind of looks the same, I guess, but then you eat it, it tastes the same for a second, then it's got that generic aftertaste to it. I'm telling you, right? It's got that aftertaste. And, and here's what happens. You can tell it's not the name brand. But the more you eat generic cereal, what happens? Your taste buds become accustomed to generic cereal. So what do you end up doing? Well, in the cereal world, you settle for less than best. That's what happens with our faith at times. That we settle for the mundane. We settle for the ordinary. We're like, I want to tell a good story, but I'm just ordinary. God's not going to do anything through me. So this series is all about us understanding that God wants to do more in your life than you could ever imagine. God wants to work in your life in a way that you can only imagine. But he's got to be the primary character. You've got to be the supporting role. That you don't have to settle for less than best in your life. And that is why we're doing this series. And that's why we're excited uh, about being very clear and open about that God doesn't want us to settle for less than best. God doesn't want us to settle for fruit, loop, uh, f- you know, fruit circles. He wants the fruit loop version of life, right? So that's kind of where we're going today. And what we're going to talk about today is something that is going to hit every single one of us. Because every single one of us have done, have used these as we woke up today already. And we're going to talk about the power of words. The power of words. If I could say, if there's one thing I wish I would have known when I was younger that I could apply to my life is how powerful and how important words actually are. Now, I get it. I, I'm up here talking like 5,000 words every Sunday, right? So three services, it's like 15,000 words. So I say a lot of words all the time, but words are powerful, Words are so powerful, and and what we tend to do is we tend to minimize the impact. So here's what I kind of want to start with today, is just one phrase, and and it's a simple phrase. Your words matter. Your words matter. Everybody say that. Everybody say words real quick. Words. Words. Everybody say matter. All right. Your words matter. I'm going to say that over and over and over again. Your words matter. That if, the, if there's something that is underrated when it comes to our faith, it's going to be our words. And I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean by that. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. My mouth gets me in trouble all the time. Anybody with me? I, like all the time. Growing up, I didn't get grounded for doing like, you know, being bad at school. I didn't get grounded for, you know, cur- uh, be out past curfew. I got grounded over and over and over again because of this. Just this yapping, right? I could not stop. I could not, uh, if someone says something, I couldn't not fire back. My family's the type of family that growing up, um, you know exactly where we stand, right? If you ever met my family, you don't have to, you don't have to guess if we like you. We're going to tell you one way or another. You're going to figure it out, right? We don't, we don't hold it in. We just explode it all out. Any families like that? It's like, hey, it's coming out whether you like it or not. And that's what I grew up with. So at times, I still do that in my marriage and in church. And I just say things. And I'm like, why am I saying that? Why did I say that? My mouth gets me in trouble. And recently, I had some friends that I trust and people I trust. They, they, they basically came out and told me this. Right? Hey, dude, you know, we know you don't mean to sound this way, but, but you're sounding this way. Or, or your, your, your words, like, why, why? Like, just, you need to watch what you say. And at first, because I, I'm an explosive guy, I grew up with that. Like, I wanted to tell them, yeah, I'm going to tell you what I feel, right, with my words. But I took it to heart. So in, the, in this season of my life right now, this is something that I, I'm really trying to put in my life. It's, it's a discipline. And what I've learned to control my words is if I, if I do this, so I just want to keep this in mind as we talk today. If I listen more and I talk less, I figured out a solution. If I listen more than I talk, I get in less trouble, right? That's kind of the solution. But listen more, talk less. So let's just ask a question today. 
are, are any of you like me that your mouth just gets you in trouble? Does your mouth get you in trouble? Come on, raise your hand nice and high, right? That's some of us, right? Some of us, most of us, we, we may not get in trouble with our mouth, but our words and our mind, right? That's what we're hiding from everybody. But words matter. Over and over again, Scripture tells us this. And, and there's this little book in, in the Old Testament that's called Proverbs. It's a wisdom book. It's kind of in the middle of the Bible. And, and in this little wisdom book, it talks about words over and over and over again. I just want to give you a couple examples. Proverbs 11 says this, It is foolish to belittle a neighbor. A person with good sense remains silence. Proverbs 15.1, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but hard words Stir up anger. What's it saying? Your words matter. I don't know if you know this, but it's estimated that the average person speaks around 15 to like 25,000 words a day. Now some of us hit that like in the first couple hours of the day, and some of us may not hit that, but the average person, 18 to 25,000 words or something like that. And just to put it in perspective, that's like writing a 54-page book every single day with your words. It's a lot of words, right? A lot of words. And what the Bible tells us over and over again are those words, those thousands of words, they matter. They're important. They have influence. And then what we're going to see in a little bit is that they have power. But what happens is, is we live in this culture is that we speak so often, but those 15, that 18 to 25,000 isn't including text, social media, or emails. So you add that in, that's a lot more. That's about, you know, we're getting to 50,000, right? Some of us text more than we talk. And then in this world, we live behind screens. And we, we communicate through keyboards or, or FaceTime or, you know, smartphones. And what happens when you communicate behind a screen? Well, now there, there's that accountability is taken away. Now I can say whatever I want to you without having to face you face to face. So I, I can say whatever I want on social media, say whatever I want through text, and I don't have to face the, the, the ramifications of you getting upset with me face to face, right? You know, you might say something that someone who would, could beat you up and you wouldn't say it in person, but through a keyboard, you'll say it. You don't have to face the ramifications. And that's why if, if you look, you'll see online that cyberbullying is at all time high. That teenagers committing suicide is rising and rising and a lot of it has to do with words and being bullied and what they're typing on social media or saying on all these apps. And then we can jump on social media in the last year and see how hateful people have been with words because of the election or because of masks or because of COVID. Like right now some of our stories are being sabotaged by words and we don't even realize it. Someone once said, that it, Albert Einstein once said this, that he goes, if there's a formula to success, it's work hard, play. And number three, keep your mouth shut. That's Albert Einstein, right? And right now, some of our lives, some of our stories are being sabotaged by our words. And we don't even know it. We don't, we're not even close to realizing it. I'm not close to realizing it. And that there's power behind our words and our words matter. So what I want to do today is just kind of do a lot of reflection about what's going on in our lives and what's going on in our hearts because we're going to see in a little while that, that what, the words that come out of our mouth are actually just from our heart. So I, I was thinking about this question this week, like this last week, just think of this last week. What was it like to be on the other side of you? What was it like to be on the other side of you? Think about that. What was it like to be on the other side of you for your spouse or your kids or co-workers, or your boss, or what was it like to be on the other side of you on social media? 
Were your words bringing unity or creating disunity? Were they building up or were they tearing down? Were you encouraging or were you judgmental? Were you hateful or were you loving? Were, were you creating chaos or you were you putting out fires with your words? What was it like to be on the other side of you? And with that in mind, I want to go to something that, that the wisest man in the Old Testament ever, uh, wisest man in the Old Testament that King Solomon wrote. King Solomon was a king and he was the son of David and God one night basically said, King Solomon, I'll give you whatever you want, what you want. And he asked for wisdom. So this guy writing these words, I imagine he's kind of like around a, a fire writing these words. He's like, what, can, what advice can I give my son? What advice can I give people? And this is what, one of the things he wrote, Proverbs 18. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue, your words, has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. King Solomon says, your words, my words, they matter. Don't underestimate how powerful they are. He's like, well, well King Solomon, how powerful are they? He's like, well, it's simple. Your words bring either life or death. Your words, my words, bring either life or death. Now you can say we're over dramatic, but King Solomon is a lot smarter than any of us. He's like, listen, your words matter. Your words are powerful. And they bring life to situations or they bring death. Now if you go back to your life, you will know that, that if you look at words, that, that words have shaped us. And, and here's kind of how we're going to say it today, that they have shaped us. The words spoken over us have shaped us, you know, words have been shaped by our words. To us have shaped us, over us has shaped us, and about us. If someone says something to us that, that it's negative, guess what? It shapes us. Positive, same way. If someone spoke encouragement over you, you're shaped by that. If someone talked about you and you find out, you're shaped by that. We are shaped by words and it's either bringing life to us or it's bringing death to us. And what's difficult about words, if we're just being practical, is that words are not equally weighted. You guys know what I mean? Like they're not equally weighted. That science tells us actually that when a negative word is spoken to you, it creates almost a, a very similar neural pathway than actual physical pain, right? When you break your leg or you hear negative words in your brain, they kind of, the pain is similar. It makes a similar pathway. And words are not equally weighted. And science also tells us from studying that it takes many more positive words to outweigh a negative word. They're weighted differently. I know in my life, I can hear a thousand good things. And one of you can be critical. And I'll think of that one thing. The same, the same is for you. I bet you. You can hear a thousand good things. So think about your life. How many words does it take, how many positive words does it take to outweigh a negative? All of us have a limit. And it's a lot, it takes a lot more positive to outweigh one negative. We very rarely remember, science says, the encouraging words spoken over us. But we rarely forget the death words spoken over us. Power. Your words have power of life and death. And this almost goes counter to what we were taught. Because growing up, what were we taught? Sticks and stones will break my bones. But words will never hurt me. Now, listen, I've had a lot of broken bones. I've had a lot of surgeries. I've had a lot of pain in my life physically. 
And I, I can kind of remember the pain, but I don't remember it, right? Like, you know, you break your leg, it hurts, and then you go get a cast and it heals, and I don't really remember that pain as much. But for some reason, I can remember things said to me when I was six, you know, in my junior high years, high school years, negative words. And I bet if, if you were similar to me, you would say, I wish I would have learned this a long time ago, that this is not true. I wish we would stop saying it because it's not true. I, I get there's good intentions behind it, but, but it's not true. It's not true. Because the reality is that many of us can think of a, a phrase or a sentence or something that somebody said over us, to us, or about us. And when we heard those words, it's like we, we died a little bit inside. And then as we go on in life and we try to maybe do something out of our family history, those words echo in our mind that we can't do it. Or you try to go in that next relationship and you've been hurt by the last person you were dating or married to and they said negative things about you and you take that baggage into your next relationship. Words have power of life and death. So King Solomon, he's saying, he's like, when you speak something or when you say something, it unleashes something. When you speak something, and we got that's so hard to understand because we, we're like, well, it's just words. But King Solomon's like, listen, when you speak something, it unleashes something. What's it unleash? Either life or death. Now, maybe King Solomon doesn't do it for you. Jesus also had a little bit to say about words. One time, he's actually talking with, with some people, and he says, hey, every word that you say, one day you're going to have an account for. You're going to have to make an account. You're going to have to answer for all these words you spoke. But another situation, he was with his disciples in Matthew 15, and he says this about words. But the things that come out of a person's mouth, what are those? Words, right? The thing that comes out of a person's mouth comes from the heart. And these defile them. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile him. What's he saying? He's saying these words that you speak are clues to what's inside of you. They're clues. They tell you who you are. They tell others who you are. Words rarely, they don't lie. You know, we say, well, I was just joking. Or I didn't mean it. And Jesus is like, no, no, you meant it. Come on now. You're just saying that because the feelings are hurt now. Words are clues to what's going on inside of you. They're, they come from the heart. Jesus says, those, the things that make your life, defile you and make you, you sabotage your story is from what's in here. Because it's just flowing out of you. What's in you flows out of you. And Jesus is like, I, I, I care too much about your heart to not, not address your words because you, you, your words are, are clues to what's going on inside of you. Words are important. Now, here's what some of us may be thinking. Maybe you're like, well, this is way too dramatic. Like, people need to toughen up. Like, my initial reaction when I hear things like this is like, okay, stop being a snowflake. It's time to toughen up, right? But, but I'm wrong. I, I'm wrong. And I just want to show you a couple examples of why I'm wrong. Because I, I've done a lot of research in my life into this because I, I wanted to find justification that words aren't that big of a deal. And I just couldn't do it. So I want to go all the way back to the creation story. You know, in Genesis, in chapter 1, God's creating the world. I want you to think about how did he create the world? What did he do? Well, it says this. Then God said, let there be light. And what was there? And there was light. God uses words. Let there be light in creation. So God's words had the power to bring life. That when God spoke, life happened. 
And a couple chapters later, in chapter 3, after God created everything, and you know, Adam and Eve, and all the creation, and he said, Every, I'm pleased. Well, in chapter 3, the serpent, Satan shows up in the form of a serpent. And he starts talking to Adam and Eve, and he uses words, and listen to what he says. Or this is what it says about the serpent. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked, and asking is using words, the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? She goes on to say, well, no, he didn't say that you can't eat any of the fruit. She, he said that you can't eat from this tree because you'll surely die. And Satan's like, no, you won't die. God just doesn't want you to know the power from what happens from eating from that tree. So what Satan does is he speaks words that bring death. He attacks the very words of God. Right? And even though these words aren't true, this is where it gets interesting. Even though these words aren't true, they still had power. And even though someone said something to you that wasn't true about you, or to you, or about someone, they still had power. So Satan's words eventually led to Adam and Eve believing these words. And as soon as you believe the words, they get power. And the power of these words from Satan led to what? Sin. And sin is what? Death. So you get an example in Genesis. The first couple chapters of the Bible, God spoke. He said, let there be light. And then later on, the, the serpent comes and uses words to attack the very words of God and brings death. So this week, this, in your life, do your words bring life or death? Do they bring life or death? That's a... That's a tough question. So if we were honest and we're like, you know, if you don't want to be honest, look at your spouse next to you, the person sitting next to you, they'll tell you. And remember, your words aren't equally weighted. They have power of life and death. So remember that when, when we're asking this question, that as a spouse, your words to your spouse are, are more weighted than other people's words. Parents, your words are weighted like 500 pounds. I can't tell you when I was a youth minister how many kids were either built up and encouraged by their parents because of words? Or how many kids were torn down by their parents by words, right? So with all that in mind, do your words bring life or death? Now, if we're honest, we were like, well, I, I, I want to say my words are bringing life. But if I was honest, I keep speaking more death. Like, I, 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 I want to speak life. I, I want to bring life. But I end up bringing death. I bring, end up speaking death. Because it's hard to control what we say. It's hard to control what we say. It's, it's hard to tame the tongue. It's hard in the heat of the moment. It's hard in, in, in the heat of gossip. It's hard in the, in the moment when we're, we're upset to control it. But are our words bringing life or death? The half-brother of Jesus, James, writes a letter to a church. Uh, James you know, the, later, he didn't believe in Jesus when Jesus was alive, but after the resurrection, he, he believes in Jesus. And, and then he goes on and he starts spreading, the early, he becomes one of the, the pivotal points in the early church. And he writes this letter to the church, and it's a very practical letter. It's very much the, the Proverbs of the New Testament. And he writes in the middle of this letter in chapter 3, he starts talking about words. Like, James is kind of like me, like he'll go off topics and tangents, and he just goes from one topic to another topic. But here's what he says. He goes, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. 
Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Like, I, I really don't know what a bit is, but I think I know what he's talking about. Like, that's why you can see a, a small girl driving, riding on a big horse and controlling the, the horse because it has a bit in its mouth. And that little object can steer the whole horse. Or he's like, imagine there's a ship bigger than this whole room. And you see the small little rudder. That's what steers it. So his point is, is really obvious. Small part, big influence. He's trying to set something up here. He's using some imagery, some metaphors. He's like, listen, small part, big influence. And then he goes on to talk about a small part. And this is what he says. Likewise, the tongue. Everybody say tongue. Tongue is a small part, very small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And we know forest fires are started and little sparks, you know, I think someone set a, a fire in California when their gender reveal, right? Just a little accident, started a huge forest fire. A world of evil among the parts of its body. It corrupts the whole body, the tongue, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself set on fire by hell. He's like, listen, that tongue that may be so small proportionally to your body, it's creating a lot of chaos in your life. It, it might be small, but it's got a big impact. And as he is saying, as your tongue goes, as your words go, your life goes. Your destiny, your story goes as your words go. Your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your career goes as your life goes. He's like, your, your tongue may seem small and you may think it's no big deal, but just like a little spark in a fire, it can create chaos throughout your entire life. When, when I think of this fire imagery, I think of the great Chicago fire of 1871. I don't know if you guys learned about that in Indiana or Kentucky, but we learned about it all the time in Illinois. I don't know why they, they're obsessed with the Chicago fire. So I learned about it all the time. Does anybody know the legend of how the Chicago fire started? Mrs. O'Leary's cow, right, whether it's true or not, kicked down a lantern. It must be a stubborn cow. But it knocked down a lantern, and it started some, you know, straw on fire in the barn. And in Chicago is the windy city, so the winds of the city started to move the fire. And this little fire that started in Mrs. Mrs. O'Leary's barn spread further and further and further and further. And it kind of destroyed the whole city of Chicago. It left 100,000 people homeless. It destroyed over 7,500 buildings. And it killed nearly 300 people by one little stubborn cow kicking down a lantern. James is saying, you want to know how fast your story can be ruined? Like that, with one little word. It can create a fire in your life. And you can burn people more than you could ever imagine. And as, as we think of that image and, and, and we reflect on that, do you know the people we burn most in our life with our words are often the ones we love most? Our kids, our siblings, our parents when we're teenagers, our spouses. The ones we love most are the ones we burn most. And James is saying, be very, very careful. Because that little tongue of yours that you think is so minor, it's got power. And it can set your whole life ablaze faster than you can ever imagine. 
And then he, he doesn't stop there. He, he goes on he, and he keeps writing and he keeps writing this letter. He says, all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. He's like, we've learned to control horses. We've learned to control animals. We've learned to live in this world with these gigantic animals who don't mess with us. But here's what he says. But no human being can tame the tongue. He's like, we can tame a gorilla, but you can't tame your tongue. It is, as restless, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's like we've learned to tame all these creatures, but not one of us listening, not me writing, he's saying, not one human can tame the tongue. It's untamable. And as we think about it being untamable, what he's saying is like there's an unpredictable factor to our words. Like we don't know what we're going to say when we're upset. We don't know what we're going to say in the heat of the moment. We don't know, know what we're going to say when we're frustrated. We don't know what we're going to say when we're on the court. We don't know what we're going to say when the umpire makes a bad decision, right? We don't know what we're going to say. There's an unpredictable factor. And the, the reality is, I, I, I speak 5,000 words up here, but if I say 10 words, I can ruin my whole career with 10 words. I can say something so bad right now that next week one of the elders has to come up here and say, hey, remember when Nathan said that really dumb thing last week? Yeah, he's no longer with us, right? I could ruin my entire career. You can ruin your life with one sentence. And James is like, no tongue, no human can tame the tongue. And then he kind of gives us an example of how kind of unpredictable you know, the tongue is. He's like, with, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. He's like, you go to church, you start singing, you get your hands up, you're clapping, you're saying amen. You're like, woohoo, we're in church, right? He's like, we're, we're worshiping. And with, the, and, and with that same tongue, we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. He's like, listen, by the time you are at your house after lunch, you know, that same tongue that you guys came in here and worshiped God with, it's like you're gonna be cursing the very people he created. Whether it's your kids, your spouse, whatever. He's like, listen, your tongue is unpredictable. And then I think he kind of leans in and, and he kind of gets real. And he says, listen, my brothers and sisters, this isn't how it should be. This should, this should not be. You, t you shouldn't sing praise and cursing with the same mouth. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No, they can't mix. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No. He's like, no, that's not, that's not how it works. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James is like, listen. You can't tell a good story. You can't really be transformed by Jesus. If those words of death are coming out of you constantly. Because life and death, they, they can't flow from the same spring. And then why I get really frustrated with this is he just ends. He's like, hey, it shouldn't be this way. But adios, I gotta go on to the next subject. He doesn't give us a solution. He, he just leaves us hanging like, come on James, what's the answer here? Well, he leaves us hanging because I think there's a reality that there's no once and for all solution. What do I mean by that? There's no five-step process. There's no quick fix. Uh, controlling your tongue and taming your tongue is something we have to do every day we wake up. Minute by minute, day by day, text by text, email by email, post by post. We got to do it. There's no once and for all solution. But James' promise is simple. 
If you control your words, you'll control your life. If you control your words, you will tell a better story. So what I want to do is give us some application, some principles. These are not, these are not, you know, do these and automatically your words will be better. These are applied to your life with many other things, but we just can't be up here talking all day. So the first one is this. Listen more than you speak. And we already talked about this a little bit. But James says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Often when you can't control your mouth, like me, you are slow to listen, fast to speak, and fast to become angry, aren't you? It's, it's the opposite. So James is saying, listen, listen more than you speak. Most of us in kind of disagreements or in the heat of the moment or conversations, we listen to speak, don't we? We listen, uh, I, I know what you got to say, but I want to say something else. We don't listen to hear, and that creates all kinds of chaos. But the point here is simple. If, if you talk less, it's hard for you to get in trouble. I learned that a long time ago. If I, if I just keep my mouth shut, I can't get as much trouble. So listen more than you speak. And the second thing I think that gives, gives us kind of a, a reminder is to remember. Remember that from your mouth has power of life and death. Remember your words matter. Remember they're important. Remember they can sabotage your story. Remember they can destroy marriages. Remember they can bring life or death to any situation. Remember. Remember how powerful they are. Even when you're upset, even when you're mad, even when you're frustrated, even when you're in the heart of the argument with someone you disagree with, remember how powerful those words are. And remember, you're trying to tell a good story, a story where Jesus is the main character. And Jesus tells us very, very specifically, watch your words. Watch your words. The third thing is, fill your life with God's words. So if, if what's in us comes out of us, and obviously, we need to start filling our stuff, not with Netflix, not with Amazon Prime, not with TikTok. We've got to fill our life with God's words. Because God's word, the Holy Spirit is the only thing that's going to even give us a remote chance to tame our tongue. So we've got to meditate on it. We've got to read it. We've got to digest it. We've got to be in it often. We've got to be filling our lives with God's words. Because if what's in us is coming out of us, that if we're filled with God's word, what's going to come out of us is life. What's going to come out of us is encouragement. What's going to come out of us is love. You can't be filled with God's word and bring death. So fill yourself with something else than what, besides what you're filling your life with now. Fill your life with God's words. And I promise you this. If you fill your life with God's words, You'll remember how powerful your words are. And you'll end up listening more than you speak. And most of the stuff we talked about today can be avoided by filling your life with God's word. And the fourth thing is similar to what we just talked about. But pray that God would transform your words. Pray that the Holy Spirit would come into your life and guide you and direct you. But why I love this point is because you're admitting and I'm admitting I can't do it on my own. That if I have to do it on my own, then I'm going to say a lot of things I should not say. I'm going to say a lot of things that people are going to hurt them. I'm going to bring a lot of death. Pray that God would, would use your words. That pray that God would turn your, your words into a fountain of life. And that, that you could go out in life and you're encouraging and you're loving. And you're bringing life to your marriages, to your teams, and to your churches, and, and to your teammates. And you're bringing life with your words. Pray that God would transform your words. You want to tell a good story. The promise throughout scripture is this. Make Jesus the main character. Watch your words. And you're on the right path. And today I, I want to do something. I want to give people maybe for the first time an opportunity with the power of their words to make a decision 
to either confess that Jesus is Lord, make a decision to be baptized, make a decision to, to you know, say with your words that you want to give your life to Christ today. And if that would be you, we would love to have a conversation with you in the back of the room. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful, so, so thankful for your grace, so thankful for your love. Father, and I, I pray that as a church, we learn to lean on you, that we fill our lives with things you want us to be filled with. We fill our lives with your, with your word so we can speak life, Father. So often we want to bring life, but, but we end up bringing death. But God, we know when you speak, life is created. When you speak, life is given. When you speak, transformation and change happens. So Father, speak into us so we can speak into this world, God. I thank you so much for your son, Jesus. It's in his and great and precious name we pray. Amen. It's been awesome hanging out with you guys today. I would love to see you on campus sometime at one of our services at either Thursday night at 6.30 or Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45. We would also love for you to check out the RSCC Family app where you can find out all you need to know about RSCC and how you can be part of what we are doing here. We would also love for you to give us a follow or a like at RSCC Family on any social media platform. Most of all, never forget this, that you matter because God says you matter. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time, or talk to you next time. God bless.